Welcome to the OCRWC podcast. This is the final episode of the first series, so let's get stuck in with a roundup of the 2021 event with Adrian Bijanada. Hey, Adrian, thank you for joining me on the final episode of the first series of the OCRWC podcast. Firstly, congratulations on an absolutely awesome event. Thank you, and thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, thank you for having us all. (laughs) So let's just get straight into it. How was the Obstacle Course Racing World Championships 2021 for you? It was great. It was good from the perspective of like, reuniting with people, getting folks together at a premier obstacle course race. And I think if sentiment is any indication, it was, quote, exactly what the sport needed at exactly the right time. I mean, that's kind of what those who are on the side of the event happening have been saying for ages. This needs to happen. It might not be the biggest one ever, but we need to get together. And there was a lot of excitement from some people. And it, mm-hmm. the feedback I've seen has been, yeah, it was brilliant. It was what we needed. And and you pulled off a massive yeah. event at a really difficult time. It was, yeah, it was exceptionally difficult. Production-wise, it was probably the most difficult um, environment that we've ever produced an event in with supply chain shortages and, and staffing shortages and just, uh, you know, the ripple effect of the pandemic. Mm. But... You know, the team came together and pulled it off and like, we're pretty happy, you know, like, I think the bummer part of it was like, we were obviously missing a lot of our UK colleagues and and Canadians and Swedish athletes. Um, So that was a bummer. We still had good representation, right? Our podiums were still diverse, Canada, Russia, US uh, represented. Denmark. Um, and so I can't forget, I can't forget Denmark. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a great event, um, in wildly challenging circumstances. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are just starting to see, and it's quite amazing that the world has lasted that long, but we are really starting to see the effects of supply chain issues. And that's kind of behind the scenes stuff that people don't know about. It's going to cause so many problems. Yeah. Here in the States, it's even a little more at the forefront, right? So, um, President Biden has announced a task force to try to unsnarl the supply chain issues, um, which I haven't done a lot of reading on it, but you know, there's impact around Christmas and the holiday shopping season. Uh, the more wild headlines yesterday were like, will Christmas be ruined? Or like, will little Timmy have his toys? Uh, that that type of stuff. Um, uh, you know, June, I think June is normally the timeline when all the international manufacturing kind of stops and consumer packaged goods start to move and they go onto freight containers and cargo ships and they start to reach distribution points and it's just not happening, right? Mm. Um, Even here in the States, we've had some races that have pushed back the start of their season Mm. in 2022 because of supply chain issues with metals. Like, you know, hey, we, we won't have the 2022 metals in hand in time for our April event, which is mm. crazy. Because there are just so many yeah. things that go towards an event. There's, you know, there's the people, obviously, the athletes getting there, which was a yeah. massive problem. But yeah, down to tiny things like bibs. Medals aren't tiny things, but yeah. there are just so many parts mm. that go into yep. making an event. Yep. 
Did you manage to get everything? Was there anything that was a um, major stress? No, for the most part, we got we got everything we needed. Um, you know, our our partners were great on that, so no issues there. We got we got lucky, like we're not lucky um, because. Mm. Uh, through the efforts of some of our partners that we were able to dodge a few bullets and and make sure we had everything so yeah. uh, so went smoothly athletes seem to enjoy our post-race survey um, which I think is closing up very soon so if people haven't shared their feedback with us through that survey um, please do it is our highest rated event by net promoter score in the history of OCRWC so um, to a to a factor where it's almost scary because there's there's nowhere else to go uh, you know, like when I, th- I think we're in like the 90 uh, scores around 90, 91. And for example, good scores, world class scores are generally 80 and above mm. or se- even upper 70s. So when you have something like, you know, 700 respondents and only three people rate you lower than a an eight, it is intimidating because I don't know how we top it. Right. How to so well, we have some idea. Yeah. Well, you like that kind of thing, don't you? You like stats and numbers. No, I, and... I don't. Rob does. My business partner, Rob. Who some people know, some people don't. He lives on that stuff, and you know, um, he says, you know, seven hundred respondents. That's a good number. Everybody's giving us eight, nine, or ten, with the exception of these four people, right? Which is which is crazy. <laughs> but you know, aside from that score, we can look at the qualitative stuff, uh, qualitative stuff, feedback around what we can change on the course, feedback what we can do about on the check-in process. Mm. And there were even some changes that we had to make on the fly this year that worked out really well, like the fireworks show being moved from Thursday to Sunday. Well, we had a conversation about that, didn't we? And you were saying, oh, we've planned it for the Thursday. And I was like, no, Sunday would be better. Yeah, but we've done this. We don't know what to do. And yeah, yeah. the decision got made for you. No, it's it's always going to be on Sunday now. Like, it, it's always going to be on Sunday. That's like, it's such great. a great, positive way to wrap up the event. Um, I think mm. everybody that stuck around for it this year and went to the Red Bull after party loved it. Um, I think it, in some ways it's a there's, there's a it's an outlet or yeah it's an outlet for everybody associated with the event. Whether you're an athlete racing and you've done five events and you're totally toast, and this is a great way to blow off some steam. Or if you are like me and or the build crew and you've been on site. Um, you know, the build crew has been on site for a month building this thing. It's just a great release at the right time. So, um, so we'll move that to Sunday in perpetuity and then we'll build out some, some things on the front side of the event. Fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's good to have a bit of a blowout and a celebration at the end of something like that. Cause it's such a big, the, week, yep. the whole weekend is such a big thing yep. and you kind of get to the end and go, woohoo. And you want to yeah, yeah. celebrate. So it, that was fun. Red Bull is a great partner on that front. You know, having, uh, you know, yeah. I think having, we had free Red Bull cocktails at the after party, which is not something that, I mean, I'll, be honest with you, I'll be honest, it made me a little bit nervous <laughs> um, on that front, but uh, it just it's a made, little dangerous. Yeah. Like it was, it was great. I, I was talking to somebody and I hadn't had a Red Bull and vodka in quite some time. Right. But at the moment I had it, like suddenly, like I can, I could see my vision was like better than HD. Right. It was like my thought process was so clear and I felt like at that moment I had like perfect clarity on where I was in my life. It was like this is this is spot on everything. Yeah. I really I wish I could have seen it. that because my memory of Adrian post event yeah. is no, well, no, you know no. what it it's is. It's like never the, particularly it's, you're always a bit like, yeah. Oh, this was such no, a big no. thing. I was like standing in the middle of the village. And so now. Like, I know like 
I know the cure for everything that's wrong with the world in my world right now. So, yeah. Yep. In my world. I mean, even that's a big thing. Yeah. No, it was great. It was great. Yeah. But that partnership really helped us, um, you know, establish a, a better experience for athletes, um, which is what we always strive for. Right. We, like, we, want it, we want the experience to be a positive one and to be a memorable one. And for people to walk away saying, hey, that in some way, shape or form helped, you know, um, shape my life going forward as an athlete or as, as a person. It's amazing. Yeah. So was there anything this year that because of the situation and the pandemic, et cetera, that you felt you couldn't provide to the athletes? That's a good question. Not not really. You know, we, we had our vaccination and testing protocol, which, you know, at the time we rolled it out, it was pretty controversial, um, mm. as most people saw from the social media posts. Still stand by that decision. I think it was the right decision to make. It provided a safer event for everybody that was in attendance. Mm-hmm. And that has largely become the standard, right? Every every Live Nation, which is a big concert producer here in the United States, every Live Nation-owned venue has adopted that practice and policy. Mm-hmm. Boston Marathon, which just happened um, on Monday, a couple days ago, same policy. New York City Marathon, Chicago Marathon, major sporting arenas around the country, that's that's just the way it is, right? And we're in a pandemic and people are getting sick, people are dying. We need to look after each other and that's how we do it. Yeah, I, I fully agreed with it and I yeah. thought it was great. So there's never going to be a decision that's 100% loved by the whole no, world. So and, and I, I, you, I, you do what you believe in. I respect um, other people's opinions. I respect people the ability, with the ability to make, make their own decisions. The only thing I would ask is like, when I talk to my friends, if they're if they have a different opinion from me, the only thing I ask is like I just say, please talk to a doctor, right? Talk to a doctor. You know, when folks say, "Well, I did my own research," I guarantee you didn't do as much research as uh, and people who spent years and years at a university studying these things. Um, so I, you know, I have family members that are in a different camp than I am, and I say, "Great, like please just." Please speak to your doctor and then make a decision with the doctor that you trust. Yeah. Let's move on to something more positive. (laughs) Mm. Good plan. So there was quite a big conversation prior to the event about the fact that obviously there were many countries that couldn't travel to the event. However, on every podium, I'm just thinking about the teams, but definitely on the 3K, the 15K and the co-ed teams, we saw a mix of nations. Right. So, and and we're not just talking North America, South America, et cetera. Yeah. We're talking yeah. Europe, Russia. So in your eyes, is that a success? Yeah, 100%. Like 3K and 15K, Igor from Russia, and I apologize, I will not be able to pronounce his surname. You know, he was a surprise podium and he was in contention for the, for you know, even I think he finished second one day and third the other day, but he was in contention for you know for the gold as well. Like that was a name that not a lot of people have heard thus far, mm. and now his life is somewhat changed because it's like holy cow, you know, a monster of an athlete, an incredible athlete, you know, showed up to the race. You know, he was at, he was able to accommodate the travel restrictions um, and surprise a lot of people. Right. And suddenly, like literally, literally overnight, mm. he is now somebody to watch in 2022. Mm. So it was still we didn't have the amount of athletes from all countries that we usually have. We didn't have yep. John Alban, but it was still a multinational event. 
So yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, we still have you know you still have to produce the event. We make a promise to the athletes that we're going to do everything we can to produce the yeah. event, right? Would we have loved to have John there? Absolutely. And actually, I just spoke to him two days ago. Had a wonderful conversation with him, and like you know, he's he's smart. He's a good person. I consider him a very close personal friend. Um, and he's somebody. If I'm being honest with you, I've reached out to over the years just for guidance. Mm-hmm. Uh, on things it doesn't mean we always agree on things but you know like would we have loved to have him there absolutely of course i'd be i'd be lying if i didn't say that we missed having him there but we still at the end of the day have a commitment to people that we have to uh, that we've made a promise to deliver an exceptional race and we have to we have to do that right and i always compare it to even in you know in 2014 when we first launched there were some athletes that were prominent in the space of ocr and they didn't race with us right did we suffer for it? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, I think in that sense, you have to keep blinders on and just focus on producing the best race we can, yeah. offering a nice prize purse and the incentives for, you know, the best athletes in the world to show up. That's all we can do. And did you still have a good atmosphere in the event village, despite kind of, well, we did. You know what it felt like? It felt like 2014 and 2014 where I was like, yeah, I was like, holy cow, this is really happening. Um, or 2015. This is really happening. It was, you know, the most passionate people in the sport that that were there. And people were like, you know, emerging from like their cocoons in the pandemic. And like yeah. this was like a beacon of normalcy during very... It looks like yeah, such a yeah. special. It was a beacon of normalcy in very ab- abnormal times, and so um, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, heck, I'm sure that's like buoyed our survey results a little bit because people are just happy to be out there racing again, and they're happy to see athletes from Argentina or Ecuador or or people they haven't seen in some time, right? Mm. But it was like a very good, feel good, rah rah Woodstock Woodstock type event. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if that's made people happy, I mean, mm-hmm. putting it on yeah. was not a walk in the park. So yeah, you could have you could have just gone, nah, guys, it's right. not going to happen this year, and it probably would have been safer for you, you know, for you as a company to do that. But you didn't. Now, I found the fifteen k really exciting this year. Obviously, we normally kind of I love John. I also adore John. I think he's fantastic and an incredible athlete. But seeing kind of different people and. Honestly, I was expecting VJ to smash it. And I, before the event, I was like, oh, I wish Ryan was mm-hmm. going to be there because then Ryan and VJ and then next year it'll be super exciting with yeah. John. And then it was just like a free-for-all. It went crazy. So it was a shame not to have some of the normal faces there, but it also created a completely different event, which yeah. which was new for us that were watching. So it's also fun. Yeah. yeah. Like At the end of the day, you still have to have people who show up and 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 race yeah and you have to still compete side by side with the people that were there so like you know credit to ryan kempson and igor and logan um that's the that was the men's uh 15k pro Mm. uh, pro podium for showing up right and 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 being there and giving it everything they could right vj rocked on the 3k i think he had a tougher time on the 15k because that's like a it's just a uh, it's just an entirely different event mm. but yeah i mean like ryan especially showed up had his plan executed his plan i think he finished uh so here's a scary uh fact uh igor who came in second and took the silver was only 25 seconds behind ryan wow on a 15k on a 15k course um so you know just over nine miles 
And Logan was 22 seconds behind Igor. So you basically had less than a minute that separated first, second, and third. So if you think about it, after racing a 15-kilometer, nine-mile race all over a mountain with 40 obstacles, to have one minute separate first, second, and third yeah. is is crazy. Well, it shows that they're competing against each other. It's not, you know, yeah. they, they, they really are racing. Yep, yep. And then, you know, uh, on the on the women's side, obviously, Lindsay was was Lindsay um, and and she was, yeah, she was just, you know, she was crushing it. Um, so I think a lot of people weren't mm. surprised there. And then, you know, credit to Ida yeah. um, from Denmark, who finished two minutes behind Lindsay and. Oh, she yeah. was fabulous. I was watching it as she yeah. overtook and like the strength she still had so late in the race. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I mean, I don't even have that for 100 yeah. meters. Yeah. And then like, Chris Ruglowski, who's a new is a new contender for us. Um, well, I'm not saying new contender. I shouldn't say that at all. Um, she's a new podium finisher um, for us in the pro heat and she, she rounded out third. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it was good all around. Everyone, everyone's, <laughs> everybody's. Uh, I think not. Everyone's just super happy. I think there's the post race high has has lasted a lot longer for folks than in previous years. It feels like it has. I'm still seeing things being shared and people like, look, sorry guys, I'm not ready to let this go yet. Yeah. This was an amazing yeah. weekend. So. Yeah, 3K, just as exciting, right? On the men's side, less than uh, certainly less than a minute. Actually, let me look. It's. 30, 40 seconds mm. was the difference between first uh, gold, silver, and bronze wow. on on the on the men's side, and then on the on the women's side, awesome showdown between uh, Lindsay and Rose coming into the final half mile stretch, and again like less than ninety seconds between first, second, and third. Lindsay came in first. Ida came in second. Totally gassed across the finish line. She had a bat. <laughs> she had a battle with Rose um, for the silver silver medal, and Rose. Uh, she beat Rose by seventeen seconds. Mental. Yeah, yeah. Super fun to watch. Uh, super fun to watch. We had a bunch of new obstacles, so at the time I was watching it, I was mm. very nervous about how it was actually going to work. But they they worked and they rocked, and I'm so excited. That's like I'm thrilled. See, I, I didn't know anything about these new obstacles prior to the event. You kind of gave me hints yeah, yeah. or, you know, when we did the podcast or I did it with Sid and Brett and they were like, oh, well. And then I saw something and I was like, yeah. damn, these are amazing. Like, so yeah. simple, but like so great. And for me, that's what yeah. fantastic obstacles are. Like, Canyon, yeah. so what there, a there were three, like, three ring-based obstacles oh. we did, Canyon, Ricochet, and Pendulum. The idea for each one of those was to offer athletes a way to either complete the obstacle very quickly through technique and taking uh-huh. risks, or it would take much more time and not be as rewarding. So Pendulum and Ricochet, in mm-hmm. in fact, I think kind of those were home runs for us. Ricochet, for those that weren't there, it's essentially all rings, but instead of moving Mm. directly in a straight line through the obstacle, you were required to essentially pinball or ricochet off the walls to to reach it. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no way to skip rings. You had to get a good push and kick off. I mean, it it looks straightforward, but when you see people do it, then you're like, of course, that's not straightforward. Yeah. I mean, some people, it took them under 10 seconds. Some people were there for two hours. Right. I would have loved to try those out. I, I would have absolutely loved to try Ricochet out. 
Yeah, Ricochet, it was just, that was like, that's my new favorite obstacle for 2021. And yeah, it's, you know, I think it's, it's innovative. It, it's one of the obstacles, one of the only obstacles where we have that where we tell people you can use the frame of the structure. And we had created panels for people to put their feet up on and just pinball through. Um, and pendulum was super simple. It's two rings to a elevated bar that had a downward slope to it. Um, but the bar was high enough up that up that you had to kind of master the, like what I would think of as like a critical skill of obstacle course racing, which is that hip swing pendulum yeah. motion of, you know, rocking your shoulder, your hips back and forth and your shoulders to carry momentum. Right. Mm. Believe it or not, that was actually the original version or not original version. It was the original concept behind trapeze, which required right. people to swing mm. to reach the next element. Right. This was that just not with a bar. It's, it's quite old school obstacle, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Which I and love it, it, because I can't do new obstacles. Right, right. I can't do right. old yeah, ones it, anymore, but I used to be able to. Yeah, it was literally just like, hey, if you know this basic motion, this technique, then you're going to have a great time at the obstacle. Mm. If not, you're going to need to try it a few times and figure it out or watch somebody else do it yeah. or think about it. Likewise with Canyon, um, <laughs> you know, like that, it was a little bit of a bloodbath on Friday um, in terms of completion. Um, especially when it's in a 3K with, you know, back-to-back-to-back to back to back, uh, rigs. Um, but you saw people breaking out chicken wing technique to get through that obstacle. You saw a figure four climbing hold, which I guess I kind of I kind of learned about it crazy. there. It's like a way to spin your body around 180 degrees yeah. to reach the next climbing apparatus. And literally wrap yourself around yourself. Yeah. And... and it's like, holy, holy cow, people are bringing in you know, a bona fide technique from rock climbing mm. into obstacle course racing, right? And I can't think of another race, and maybe I'm just being a little bit arrogant here, but I can't think of another race that has forced some people to learn those things, right? Mm. Um, even, you know, even like the chicken wing that everyone try- uses at Gibbons, I don't know if that exists anywhere else, <laughs> but that is now like when you see people training for Force 5 Gibbons or you watch videos or you see commentary you'll say oh you know like oh aaron had to use chicken wing Mm. it's costing him valuable time right that to me is crazy it's flattering it's humbling and it's just it's just cool so there's a bit of um controversy regarding canyon because you raised it after the 3k which yeah 100 you've done in the past uh in london yeah you changed saber tooth you shortened that because of the rain and the length and Mm -hmm. it was a very difficult obstacle you know it's not something new for you to do that but some people weren't too happy yeah with you raising it no yeah and listen i i get where they're coming from because if they if i have a tough time with something or i fail at something i want another crack at it right i i get that but we also need to consider that the 3K and the 15K are totally different events. There is some overlap between people who race the 13, the 3K and the 15K, but there are also a considerable number of athletes, probably 50%, that only race one or the other, right? So mm-hmm. they are completely different events. So if I know that obstacle is somewhat of a bloodbath on a 3K with back-to-back rigs and min- not, not minimal, but less elevation gain, 20 obstacles. Now, what happens if we, when we're looking at the 15K and we want to achieve our completion percentage and we say, okay, we're going from, we're doubling the amount of obstacles. We are tripling, mm. more more than tripling. We are doing 5X the amount of distance and we are more than doubling 
the elevation gain, right? Like that is a different event and we need to make adjustments for that event yeah. <clears throat> so that we put together a fair and balanced competition. Now, I've made it no secret that we kind of shoot for that 60 to 70% completion rate and that's what we shoot for, right? Yeah. So I'll also say that like I hear a lot of people saying like, oh, we had 62% completion, I think, on the 3K and people say, oh, it's too easy. Mm. Like I would challenge those people in a friendly way and say, great, if you are awesome at obstacles, work on your running so you don't finish in the bottom 10% of your age group, right? So like, like yeah. if, you're, if you're awesome at running, right, great, work on your obstacles. The best athletes at our events, they are the ones on the podium have addressed their weaknesses, right? Like, and like even talking to John before the event, you know, when I spoke to him like in June or July or something, you know, the dialogue that we had was like, well, you know, what's the event going to look like this year? Um, and he said, hey, a lot of people haven't had the chance to train because there aren't, yeah. The races aren't happening. Like they they just haven't had a chance to practice, and then not everyone has a you know a, a ninja set up in their backyard or in their bedroom or something else like that. And he's absolutely right. Right, our event is meant to be a representation of the sport in its current state. Right, and that's what we aim for. And it's again it's super easy to create a race that is too difficult. That's oh, like yeah. the, that's 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 the easy way out. That's not that's not something we're ever going to do. No, I think, you know, most people have done a couple of OCRs could put together something that very, very few people could complete. But putting together something that's a challenge, but not too much of a challenge. Yeah, it's I can see it's really difficult. Yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm also on this. I'm sour on the idea of producing that something that's too difficult because to me, it just like it smacks of like ego. Well, there's just no right? point. Well, what, there's, there's, then the, there's no competition, as it were, like. Right, right. Well, and, and also people should look at both genders and mm-hmm. older athletes and younger athletes. And when, you know, you have a course that needs to accommodate 13-year-olds up to 70-year-olds yes. and male and female and different sizes and shapes, like you've got to produce something that has mm-hmm. a common denominator that is uh, worthy of a world championship. I so. mean, we've had championship events here in the UK, as in UK championships, that were so mm-hmm. difficult in terms of obstacles, that you could walk the course and spend ages on an obstacle and podium just because you're not the person losing their band. And it, it kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's a different kind of battle. It, I know that people weren't yeah. satisfied with that kind of event. They weren't happy to podium like that. Right. And they were happy, but right. they were a bit like, mm, doesn't feel great. Right. Yeah, it's just not, I don't know. It's the, it's again, it's the easy way out. I th- I, the the race directors and event producers that I admire the most are the, probably the ones that nobody's heard of, right? Like like very few people can tell can name you know the race director of the Boston Marathon, right? Or the race director of Ironman Kona, right? Right. It's kind of like a, it's like it's almost like being a sports official, right? If people know you're there, mm-hmm. then if they they know you're there, sometimes it's for the wrong reasons. Got you. Right. And that's that's just, I think the event needs to stand on itself. The course needs to stand up on itself. And I think that's where OCR yeah. is moving. So talking completion rates, talking accessibility for all ages and genders. I've got a question, which I know, mm-hmm. obviously, you disagree with me. Mm-hmm. But I've never, I've never asked oh, yeah. you this. I've just made a comment about it. Uh-huh. The sandbag. Yeah. Why 
Why is it? What is your reasoning for having it the same weight for men and women? I I don't know. I've had this conversation with like um, you know, folks in the UK, other venues, other race series. And I think obstacle course racing or an obstacle course, when you start to do differences based mm-hmm. on gender, it doesn't, I don't know, it's hard for me to kind of put into words and explain, but it doesn't feel right, right? So we say, okay, women are going to have a lighter weight mm. than men, right? Like, should that apply? Should that apply to smaller men as well? Should we, Should it be a percentage of body well, weight? It could, it could be, yeah. Should it be a percentage of body weight, right? Um, and then you start to extrapolate that into other parts of a, mm. an event, an endurance course, right? People that are taller with oversized femurs take fewer steps during a marathon <laughs> than somebody who is shorter with more moderate sized fem- femurs, I right? Mean, I, I, I so, think maybe that's overthinking it to uh, an extent. Maybe, maybe, right? Okay, let's take a, let's take a, a, a tube you have to crawl through, right? Hmm. Like, or, or even a, a low rig, right? A tube you have to crawl through might be easier for a smaller, an athlete, athlete of a smaller size than hmm. an athlete who is bigger. Same thing. Same thing with a low rig, right? Shorter athletes. You know, I mean, if you talk about gender, so Tom, for example, is the same weight and the same height as me, but his strength yeah. to weight ratio is completely different. He can carry a lot more and lift a lot more okay. than I can. And we, we are talking yeah. I mean, mainly because I'm pure fat and no muscle, but we know, you know, let's talk about size. <laughs> but I don't know, in my head, it's always kind of been, all right, you get some female athletes that are, you know, they're very light. Like we're talking like maybe 110 yeah. pounds, okay. but then you've got Hunter. Yeah, all right. So let, let's so, look at Lindsay, right? Okay. I think. All right. Look at like I think Lindsay's rec bag time like was top five in the entire that's event, Lindsay. male or female. But that's Lindsay. But it's so? okay. But, so? but you were just previously right. talking about 13 to 17 year olds. Okay, so you mm-hmm. know a 13 year old Libby Joyce can. I mean, she's worked really hard to pick up a rec bag, yeah. but that's going to then destroy mm-hmm. her for the rest of the race. And her opinion would well, most she's also certainly competing be, against... that's fine. Right. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to get stronger. I don't know. It just seems like mm-hmm. a big disparity of difficulty. Yeah, but Libby is also, Libby is also, she's competing against other 13 to 17 year olds, right? Like human beings are naturally going to have advantages over other yeah. human beings. Right, like that's just going it to It just exist. feels like the right. only obstacle that doesn't, it just doesn't sit right with me for some reason. I, yeah, we will never agree on this. Yeah. Like, I, I think, I, I actually think, I mean, maybe it's a cultural thing between like UK and US, because I think if we ever did something where, like, hey, women are only carrying 35 yeah. pounds, right, I would get my head ripped off by the American contingent of athletes. Mm. I generally think it might be more acceptable to I don't know and I just, I'm basing this unscientifically based on Facebook commentary <laughs> the place uh, of democracy which is, which is which is probably the worst thing I could possibly do but you know like you know I'm I'm good friends with Amelia Boone right and she's always been adamant about using you know racing the same course weights as as mm. men do right it's I know we kind of bifurcate our event in terms of results into male and female but at the end of the yeah but at the end of the day right that is a Mm. results mechanism and what we're doing is we're putting out a couple thousand athletes on a course Mm. right on a a, standard not not standardized course because i never think 
I never ever think obstacle course racing should be standardized. I agree. But we're putting them out on a course and they're all having to deal with the same elements. Mm. So, so, I mean, I, I, there I, has I, been... The reason I say it might be culturally different is because the other time I've had this conversation was with somebody in the UK and we got into the, you know, the biomechanics conversation on like, you know, just women are just different than men. Yeah. And like they have to, you know, and so you need to accommodate that. I don't know. What I'm more inclined to do is look at like what Toughest does, right? Where they have like a slow lane and a fast lane and yeah. maybe like the slow lane is an easier, easier physical challenge, but yeah. takes longer to complete. Yeah. Then, you know, like something else a little bit more difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously a very difficult one because like you say, you can't you can't change all obstacles to be equally challenging for everyone. But yeah, I just I I I I just yeah. don't think it's 100% fair, but okay. Anyway, we'll leave it there with the with the rec bag because we're never going to agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good conversation <laughs> to have. I, I was thinking about it because I did see on Facebook quite a few people saying that they wanted more strength obstacles. And I was kind of like, hmm, how would that work? No, we, we are going to do more strength obstacles for ah, sure. Do you know but, what? I really uh, think you should bring in more balance obstacles. Like, uh, the, yes, you just 100%. see, like, yeah, the most... Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I agree. That was something we need to improve on. So. And they're so easy um, to, like, build. <laughs> yeah, strength, so we need more strength obstacles. I, um, strength and balance obstacles are, yeah. like expect them in 2022 right i think we'll do we'll be maybe creative about how we do the strength obstacles uh -huh. and we have some ideas on what we're going to do but yeah you can expect those and i actually think that you know the mark of a good event is like if we're still excited about it afterwards mm. and we're already thinking about ways to improve and new obstacles and everything that's like a good thing yeah. right so there are some years where it's like oh i don't want to think about ocr for a month like i just don't want, <laughs> I don't want anything to do with this right now um now like i have a little digital black book that we're drawing in it's kind of where ricochet and canyon and everything else originated um we already have a different idea for canyon which nobody has done um which i'm pretty excited about so oh your little face looks very excited yeah it'll be good it'll be it'll be very good so oh, god i'm so excited for next year like yeah. i'm literally just gonna and the pumpkins and yeah, oh, yeah. it looks so good. lots of pumpkins lots of mums and and corn stalks and stuff like that so what for you like i always like to ask people this after the event what was your standout moment fireworks on sunday mm. right because it was like it was just a deep breath sigh of relief type moment so probably that yeah what was your biggest lesson <sighs> i think i myself need to be more prescriptive in my mm. expectations more prescriptive in the rule book and details we put out there right we've always said hey we don't care how an athlete gets through a rig like we don't want to introduce mm. variables that need to be policed and we don't want to introduce variables that that like so if you can skip hanging elements and everything like that um, fine with that right now i want to talk to you about the 100 meters but wasn't there something people were talking yep. about during the live coverage about yeah so yeah, um that? the thing was that there were some incredible athletes that were literally able to jump through a rig and reach and dive and hit a completion bell oh yeah. no on yeah. the 100 meters no i'm talking about during like the 15k i'm sure there was an obstacle where people were saying that they'd been told by the marshals they had to complete it a certain know. way and i was like 
that doesn't sound that doesn't sound yeah i mean yeah, so. that, that happens i mean i can't think of a year where that hasn't happened because you know the volunteers and the marshals um they're the best and one of the things that we tell them is like yeah. please don't make up things on the fly if you have a question ask it always better to ask a question yeah. than than make a decision without input and then mm. the second thing we tell them is if they do make a decision, right, for whatever reason, it needs to be consistent. And like, and that, that, that is, yeah, so everybody has the, sta- the same standard. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know what that one was. Um, I don't know. No, I can't remember. I'm, I, I've, I've, no. That's just a pointless conversation. But yeah. anyway, but yes, so the 100 meters, like it was completely, yeah, completely different from what we saw in London. It was a very, very different mm-hmm. cause. I personally loved it i can see there were some things like the tape yeah. and the crossing of cause that basically like what you said there were some amazing athletes that yeah didn't actually need to climb stuff they could just leap and hit the bell and for me i think that's fantastic creativity some people don't love it right well the way I, the way i compared it to when people were asking on site is like well are we going to limit if you have a rope climb yeah. and an athlete is able to jump and touch 10 feet and then cut the distance on that rope climb in half yeah. of what they need to reach, right? They need to climb fewer yes. poles, fewer J hooks before they, um, uh, not J hooks, that's a volleyball thing, uh, but S hooks until they ring the bell. Like, are we going to limit that and say you have to start the rope climb below this point? Uh-huh. And I I th- generally think feats of athleticism should be rewarded. And, and, it's, and risk as yeah. well. It's huge yeah. risks. I mean, you can lose a race yeah. by taking one of those risks. Yeah. It, feats of athleticism should be rewarded. And it's up to us as course designer to adopt and revise for next year. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to change something because somebody has been able to use their athletic prowess to hack an obstacle mm-hmm. doesn't mean I'm going to create something on the fly to stop that. Right. Yeah. Like, it's great. They figured out how to do it. Right. It's just like. If just like the chicken wing on, on Gibbons, like people hacked that and said, hey, chicken wing is a way, good way to get through this. Like, I'm not going to say unless there's a safety concern, don't do that. Yeah. Which is not what we're going to do. That being said, I think the 100 meter has humongous potential oh, for us. Humongous really potential. does. And it's, it's quite a new event for you. So there are going to be learning yeah. curves. Yeah. I mean, some of the folks that were on the 100 meter podium, they were only there for the 100 meter. And they said, hey, maybe I'll try out the 3K next year. Right. So at a time when our sport is looking to attract new faces and new athletes, yeah. that might be a great incubator for us. No, I thought it, it was it was really exciting. And I was very surprised by the course design of the 100 meters, because like I said, it was so different to London. But I loved it. And it was very, and it, was I, very just, it was very different. Like we, it was a good way to be yeah. creative out there. And, you know, and it was just a good way to be creative and, and try something new. As strange as it sounds, like starting some trying something new in a world championship always comes with a big risk. But in this case, for the most part, it worked out. I think you'll see a lot more attention yes. on that next year. Um, we have a new spot for it at the mountain. We have a new layout, and I think you're gonna. I think it's going to um, the prestige and the uh, attention on it will be amplified. So of course, next year back at Stratton. Yep. So I'm guessing that again means there'll be no Noram champs because. It's going to be in North America. Nope. No, 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 champs. We just, uh, we are doing a European championship. What? I'm just kidding. Oh! No, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We're not. So, so, uh, no, we are, we are so not excited doing that. then. I was like, no, no, no. Um, maybe someday, listen, maybe someday, but between the people that are involved and our family lives and personal life, life's lives, <laughs> and just 
tolerance on what we could actually do and do it do well, it well. Yeah. one event and you know we're still not out of the woods on the pandemic mm. so one event is is the right formula for 2022 yeah. and i mean i think i remember i spoke to you and I'm, I'm forgetting what year it is now but i spoke to you it will have been around like march 2020 and i was like oh do you think the world is going to go ahead and you're like well if it doesn't, yeah. we've got really big problems. <laughs> and then it didn't. And it's just yeah. things have carried on and none of us expected that by September well, I mean, 21, we'd still be going. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know many companies on the entire planet that can take two years mm. off of doing what they mm. do and survive, right? Like, it, it is nothing short of a miracle that we were able to make it to the event thanks to a lot of hard work from Rob from everybody from the team like if that work doesn't happen mm. and we don't get creative about how we are uh, remaining viable and solvent mm. <laughs> as a company then um we wouldn't be talking right now right like we, w- we wouldn't have this podcast we wouldn't have a website we wouldn't have anything mm. so um yeah like like i don't know many companies can even do what we did in, yeah. in that you know literally just take a two-year gap between between what our core business is. Yeah, but you, you so. took the gap. And for anyone who doesn't see behind the scenes, you've been constantly working and improving and coming up with ideas. I mean, there were some fantastic things on the website with the obstacles and yep. instructions and difficulty and like just fantastic amounts of information, which I absolutely adore. So you've not been sitting mm-hmm. on your laurels in the last two years. You've been no, going, no, right, we, let's been, see like, how we can get better and better and better. Right. But we're making the jump from a grassroots organization to a professional outfit. Mm. Right. And I don't mean that in the sense that like we're going to forget everything that made it special, but we need to continue, continually professionalize what we do. Right. Um, and that, that's everything from our marketing to our customer service, to our merchandise, to producing the course, to tearing down the course. Right. Like we're, we've outgrown the Ohio days mm. of like, hey, let's just get 10 people together, mark a course and see what we can build, right? Um, so when I say, when I said before that I need to be more prescriptive, that's that's true. Like we need to have that professionalism. And I think we did a fantastic job on that front this year, but we need to take it even further next year. So looking forward to 2022, mm-hmm. God, 2022, mm-hmm. what's, what's your hopes? What's your plans? What are your thoughts right now? I know we're so we're just out of the last event, but you know it's yeah. I mean, the event for us is that event for us was a B minus, right? right? So talk, talking to Rob and going back to the survey, saying, "Man, we scored so well on this survey, but we know I, I can." We talked about half a dozen things just yesterday that didn't happen or that mm. could have happened if we had you know fewer hiccups or. You know, uh, a few more things bounce our way, right? Like, you know, uh, three days of rain, that's a hiccup. You know, if that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. then we can, you know, redeploy resources to do something else really, really cool. And so I <laughs> think, I don't even know where I was going with this, but I think there's like, if we give this a B minus, which is probably the highest score we've ever given ourselves, um, it, like, what do we get to, what does it take to get to A plus? And I think that's um, more resources on site for our team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's uh, a different way that we schedule some of the things that we do to account for yeah. things like, you know, equipment breakdowns or a crush of athletes hitting an obstacle at the same time or whatever else it might be. You know, I think we need to be super careful around supply chain, just like 
Spartan Savage, all these other races are doing right now. Like we just, we need to keep an eye on, on a lot of those different variables and try to neutralize where we can. Excellent. I mean, you look at the event and you, as an outsider and you see a polished, finished event, but there are so many things that go to making it. And every time you do it, you'll learn more and yeah. more about how to improve. Yeah. But there we go. Yeah. So, well, it looked like a brilliant event. I'm just absolutely, I'm so jealous that I wasn't there. I'm going to be there next year. We will yeah. wrap it up now. But is there any yeah. any final words you've got? No, I mean, I, I'd say just like, you know, season two of this podcast series will be, we're working on it now. You and I have a, a Google Doc with different ideas on of the course. Uh, guests and topics, some more controversial than others. So um, no, I'm excited to kick this off again in 2022, or if not before. And I think people can probably expect a larger OCRWC ecosystem throughout the year, like a little bit of a different narrative um, going into going into next year. I love it. Oh, and last thing I'll mention, yes. uh, our early bird code has like only two weeks left on it. It's um, early bird 2022, 25% off all distances with the exception of the charity wave. We do not offer any discounts after that. That's good through November 1st. After that, full price the entire way. Amazing. So, um, I only mentioned that because... Every, every year people miss it and then they ask us to extend it and I, I say no and then they unfriend me on Facebook and they're mad and that's it but there's nothing to do like that's it that, that's the rule that, that's the rule so Papa's spoken amazing cool. well thank you so much cool. I will let you get back to everything you're thank doing you. and congratulations again on just an amazing event thank you thank you alright All right. we'll talk soon Bye. Thank you so much for joining me and my guests on the first series of the OCR WC podcast. We'll be back soon with a rotor of amazing topics and awesome people to chat to. See you soon.